This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're getting through the week, right? We're doing well. We're here. Woo! You got through the day or the day's about to start, depending on when you're listening, what's going on in your life. But uh, but we're here. We're going to do what we can do. We got a great show planned for you. So I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a passenger on your journey, or maybe you're a passenger on my journey, depending how you look at the show. But uh, here we are, y'all. So we're going to be gliding to those DMs later in the show. Uh, lots going on. Lots and lots and lots. You know, we talked about this last night as well. We got climate change, COVID, Delta variants. We have earthquake in Haiti. We have uh, the Taliban taking over Afghanistan. And uh, who knows Who knows what else is to come? You know what I mean? So I was talking to a lot of clients today and this week in general, also people in my life, and we're kind of talking about like, wow, what an unprecedented time for most of us. Hopefully for us, nothing further. But very few people get to live through a pandemic. And then we add everything else on top of that. And uh, me and some clients were just talking about how there's something almost unnatural, but also unfair and unhealthy for us to just business as usual, back to work, back to school, back to life, back to the family, back to the gym, as though all these things aren't happening. Um, I want to really encourage people to take, take time, whatever they need, and to just take some space and acknowledge what's going on, talk to someone, and, and just share, process, be heard. Um, again, that's what I've been doing all week with different loved ones, friends, family members, just kind of being like, wow, can you believe all that's going on? And just connecting over that. We don't need to ignore it. We don't need to deny it, but just just really calling out and acknowledging it. Um, the American Psychological Association uh, put out some information. And this is from a study they did called Stress in America. <laughs> a little bit of a loaded topic. Uh, you know, ooh, I was thinking, what an interesting time to do such a study. I can only imagine. So here's some of the interesting findings that came out of that. More than a third of Americans cite unexpected expenses as a source of stress right now. Okay, that's legit. Medical expensive, how, uh, medical expenses, housing expenses. I'm seeing prices raise in certain areas. Uh, someone, uh, someone else said, sorry, the survey also said, nearly a third of Americans say that economic uncertainty is a source of stress when thinking about the economy. Um, and then when it comes to health-related issues, ready for this one? So if only, you know, one-third struggling about money, that's a decent amount. When it comes to health-related issues, though, bum, 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 over two-thirds have stress about the uncertainty of the future. Subgroup talked about uh, possible changes to healthcare policy also making them nervous, as it should. It's not a good sign when you live in a country like America where you can go broke or actually, you know, death by suicide because you can't pay your healthcare bills. I mean, 
not so good, America. We got to do better around that. But I want to really go back and focus on the over two thirds have health related stresses. Very understandable. We're constantly watching all this new information happening. Do we need a third booster shot? Um, what's going on with the Delta variant? Watching other countries. Also watching many, many states, athletic teams, and concert organizations say not only, well, not not only, but they're saying negative tests aren't enough. You got to be man. You got to be vaccinated to get in. I'm here for it. We're ready to get our lives back. I saw a funny influ influencer online say we are vaxxed and waxed and ready to get back to life, but we can't get back to dating because people are kind of getting in the way. So we'll see what kind of change that that creates. But um, yeah, watching some athletic teams and the organization that runs Coachella has come out saying the same thing that vaccinations or no go. Um, curious to see what LA is going to do. I, I most likely they're going to follow suit like some places down south in San Francisco and completely um, ask for vaccinations. And then there's some companies that are pushing back on that saying that we're not going to do that. I saw some signs uh, online of restaurants in some of those places that are mandating vaccines for indoor dining saying we will welcome anyone. I thought, wow, you're, you're kind of complicit in, in, um, lives being lost when you're supporting the spreading of a virus like that. Um, even when vaccinated, you can still become infected and, and carry it and pass it along to someone. So it's really fascinating to see people being like, now nah, we're cool with complicit, you know, complicity in that process. It's kind of a bummer, but that's the world we live in. Money reigns supreme, always will. Um, but the reason why I even brought all this up was not just to, you know, put a dark cloud on an already dark time, but because uh, there were some steps that were provided that I thought were kind of interesting to talk about that are really centered around how do we deal with the uncertainty and stress of this current time. And I think uncertainty is a really good word to use because it's not just the stress of what we know and what we're experiencing, right? It's also the uh, anticipatory stress of what else is to come, right? And also I think fear of the unknown, right? So that's that uncertainty. It's kind of like a constellation. But there are some things we can do uh, to, you know, both deal and deal better with more resilience because these things are going to happen and it's appropriate and it is not disordered to have a lot of stress and feelings around it. It's a healthy response to have stress around stressful situations. But what we do want to, you know, step into is whatever power we have to kind of reduce it or manage it well, especially when we have other people that we're responsible for. So we're gonna take a little break. We'll come back and talk about those tips for dealing with it. And then we'll be gliding into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, as always, y'all drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Give us a follow back. And uh, past episodes of Loveline, you know where they live, over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face in the name of the show, click on it, and bam, there they all are. But again, the DMs, if you got any questions, thoughts, topics, drop them in there. But stick around. We're going to talk about tips to deal with the uncertainty of all that's going on and uh, what might be to come. All right, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on 
even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, we're back and uh, talking about how to deal with the stress of uncertainty. APA put out a study and it was showing that more than two thirds of people have health related concerns. Some of them are about healthcare policy, but the larger are just about the unknown, what's to come, you know, not knowing what's happening. So we're talking about how, you know, a lot of responses are ordered. They are not disordered. They are an understandable, right? Very appropriate reaction to something painful. When someone dies, grief and loss is appropriate. That is not a disordered response, right? A lot of our mental health struggles are understandable based on what's going on. And often we struggle with how do we work to feel good or be resilient or or thrive within problematic systems that are constantly maintaining, right? And even strengthening some of these systems that harm us. Um, So what's the work in that for us? Dismantle those systems, right? can't always get away from them and out of them, especially if we're talking about what's going on right now with the politicization. Is that is that the correct conjugation of to politicize? Oh, that's it right there. To the politicizing of COVID and mask wearing and vaccines, right? It, it, it should be rooted in how do we save lives, which would be mask wearing and vaccines. Like, my God, be having, you know, when you leave your house, you got to grab your ID because it's illegal to drive without it. You also grab a credit card so you can buy something. What's the problem with grabbing the mask? Like, my God, you put on a seatbelt, you put on a shirt because you're not allowed to go into stores without shirts, can't put on a mask too? Come on. Especially when I see what some of y'all go through to leave the house, all the makeup and the fashions. So, you know, come on, don't act like you're so lazy and a mask is asking too much when you're all dolled up and wearing your fashions. But I digress. Uh, My whole point, you can tell where I stand on this. It's quite frustrating because I'm watching a lot of our lives be put on hold and diminished as a result of what's going on. And it's just about saving lives. But my point was, let's come back. Let's come back to the topic. My point was that there are definite things we can do to help with the resilience and to, uh, as I always say in my practice, kind of shave down the sharp edges of whatever's going on. Because a lot of our responses of fear and stress are appropriate. There's a lot of things happening that are bigger than what we have the internal resources to cope with, right? Which is really where stress and trauma comes. But actually, before I even get into the points, just a little side note. One thing uh, for some research I'm doing uh, outside of the show, I'm always working on a few different projects. Um, I was looking at a multitude of uh, pieces of research from, I got, I guess like 90s, 2000s, and multiple studies over and over when we're talking about trauma and PTSD. And I'm talking about what we call the big T traumas, which not are which are not the smaller everyday occurrences. Um, not that those don't have an impact, it's still trauma, but the big T might be life-threatening, uh, catastrophic events. And it was really looking at people in other countries with earthquake, earthquakes and tsunamis, um, even down to war vets. And the one thing that kept coming up over and over and over, the thing that both protected people against severe trauma or trauma responses at all, and what also lessened was the availability of the availability of people and others. It was socialization and relationship. People that had a powerful social network of whatever kind fared better in their experience of these events. And also they looked at how after the events, people that had people 
to turn to, lean on, rely upon, again, social network of whatever kind, also often did not develop symptoms or the symptoms were less severe. Relationality is what keeps us safe. And, and we know that from thinking about children. Children literally will not survive without relationship. It's not just about food and water. They need relationality. Our brains and our nervous systems are social organs. They are built in relationship, right? We, we know from tons of studies, especially around orphanages and all of that, about people not thriving when they're not having touch and relationality. But guess what? That doesn't stop in adulthood. But we somehow have created this really traumatic, toxic idea that adulthood should be about you standing on your own two feet, not needing other people, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, going it alone. You know what I mean? It's an inside job. No, literally nothing in our life is achieved without the help of others. If, if you even go as specific as to say someone literally built your house for you and the tools you use, or that there's other people that have your back, have supported you, maybe paid for your education, taught you. Like we we don't exist in a vacuum, but somehow we think as adults that to be reliant upon your parent or to be reliant upon your partner to feel better, to feel safe or whatever it is, that that's primitive, immature, codependent, uh, fused. It's a merger. Like these are all the clinical terms we use. That's not true. We never outgrow the need for others. We never outgrow the, the dependence on other individuals and their brains and their nervous systems. We wire right? Attachment theory. We know these things. And that's part of what will prevent us having some of these really detrimental responses. And that's really what resilience is rooted in. Again, I'm going to give you some tips outside of that, but just know that, that the core of resilience is the quality of the relationships you have around you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's your best friend, your lover, your husband, wife, or your, or your parents, right? We shame that like, oh, your mom shouldn't be your best friend. Yes, she could be. Who cares? What we need is relationships. We've been talking about that with child raising. It doesn't matter if you have one mom, one dad, two gay dads, two gay moms, five moms. Kids need caregivers and love. They need relationship. It doesn't matter the gender. We made up gender. We made up these ideas of childhood versus adulthood. We all at all stages of our lives will require the care, support, presence of others. In fact, the keystone of healthy relationships, especially healthy adult romantic relationships, as demonstrated empirically and validated in the research in attachment theory, is we all need, ready for it, responsive, available, consistent, reliable people in our lives. And those are the cornerstones of really having a good romantic marriage or relationship. That's the cornerstone of attachment. So if you're in a relationship with a partner who isn't consistent, reliable, available, and responsive, you are never going to feel safe or connected. And that is what's required to build that. So if you don't have that work on that, and if you can't get that because you're a partner, you will never feel safe. And as I've talked about on prior shows, what you'll wind up doing is looking at structural security, meaning you'll try to get married and get a ring and be monogamous and go through their phone and have children and buy a house and all these structural objects that you think will make you feel that or keep you safe and none of it will ever feel good enough for work because it's a relational thing that you need. Consistency, reliability, responsiveness, attunement. Those are the things we need. All right, we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the 10 tips and strategies for dealing with the stress outside of that relationship piece, but that's the primary thing. So during the break, you assess what are the relationships that I'm closest to and what is the quality of those? Do they have those elements that Dr. Chris just listed available? And if not, I need to go find that or start to build that in. You know, all right, y'all, you are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We're gonna be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about the tips to deal with the uncertainty of what's going on, but also the uncertainty of what we see coming or what's to come. So number one, drum roll, please. Dun, 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 dun. I love this one. Be kind with yourself. 
oh, we have to be kind with others, but we also have to be kind with ourselves. Go easy on yourself. Let things be. I was saying this two segments ago. Let's just really sit with what's going on, whatever that may be, but there's a lot going on, but let's just register it. Let's recognize it. Let's just call it out. Let's talk about it. Let's not just do business as usual. That's not honest, right? We need to get a little more emotionally connected and emotionally expressive. And the way we do that is by vocalizing what we're feeling to others. We need to work with it, do something with it. So make sure that you have that in your life, someone, somewhere that you can uh, vulnerably really express these deeper emotions. I'm, I'm feeling very scared or I'm feeling very lonely, you know, or I'm feeling very anxious about what's going on or, or what I see coming. And it's not that you, that you don't need a solution, right? That's, that's also built in there. When someone's emoting uh, uh, emotion or, or, or feelings to you, they're, they're tr they want a relational response. They want an emotional response. When someone expresses emotion, they need an emotional response. Don't immediately go into solutions like, oh, it'll all be fine. Well, I'll get a third booster shot. It's like, whoa, I was just telling you I'm scared. Come back to that fear and sit in it with me. Tell me more about that fear, you know, or how hard that must be. How are you doing? What are you doing to manage that? Like stay in it. Don't, don't shift them out. It's called emotional bypassing, right? We're, we're gonna just, yeah, get around. That makes us uncomfortable, too close, too soon, too intimate. And we're gonna go right to solutions. Or even worse, ignore it and shut it down by saying, it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. Go play some music, right? If that doesn't really honor where we're at. Emotional processing needs emotional responses. Be kind with yourself though. Start by saying to yourself, it's okay that I feel the way I feel. There's a lot going on. Be sad, you know? There's a lot of unpredictable things happening in the world around us that we don't have any control over. I also like this one as well. It's kind of random. Develop a new skill. When life is relatively calm, make a point to step outside of your comfort zone, right? From standing up to a difficult uh, sport or your boss or taking risks, if any kind, helps you develop confidence. And then when life kind of veers off course, you already have that familiarity built in. I, I always give people these little assignments where it's like, hey, whatever it is we need to work on that's a larger more anxiety inducing thing. Let's break it down into baby steps. How can you find more, um, how can you find versions of that in your day-to-day -day life that don't feel as overwhelming or as threatening, right? I always use coffee shops as my metaphor and sometimes the real place I send them to do the work. You might, you might not be ready to approach your boss about an issue of some sort, right? I'm using that as an example because for many, that's someone who's in a position of power and control. But what you could do is maybe at the coffee shop, start letting them know, hey, I need to let you know you, that's not how you pronounce my name. Like you, little baby steps of learning how to assert yourself, set boundaries, make your needs known, because we don't always, we're not always ready to go all in. And, and I, we say this about disclosures as well. If someone wants to tell someone, some, some personal, possibly triggering element or topic. My first question is always, what kind of relationship do you have with that person? Are you and them familiar with that kind of closeness and intimacy? If not, we work on building up to it. We don't just out of the blue do an emotional intimacy, transparency-based drive-by. We just vomit it out and keep going, right? We have to sometimes work our way in, work our way up. And so we'll set little smaller goals. And so that's part of this whole new skill. Um, every time we are able to achieve or tackle things that we didn't feel were surmountable or just overwhelmed us, we can universalize that, right? We can internalize that level of competence. So, so start small, start practicing that. What else? Limit your exposure to news. Man, I was talking a lot about this one at the beginning of COVID. We don't want to keep ourselves completely uh, saturated and bathed in overwhelming, triggering material. And yes, watching the news will have that process, that impact on you. So we need to take time away. That's why often at night after my clinical practice, before I go into the radio work, I play music and I cook. 
it's a way to transition into a new state. It makes me smile. It makes me laugh. It distracts me. We can't always be sitting in our brains, our psyches, our nervous systems in stressful, triggering material. Be aware of that. And watching the news is a really powerful way to really have that kind of running through your body. That's also the way we want to manage conversations. If you've been sitting all day in looking at some of the news and then a family member comes home, wants to talk more about it, might want to say, hey, I spent the morning in that or with that. I kind of need a break away from that. What else is going on in your day? It's also how we get over breakups. I say people all the time, you physically might have removed yourself, but constantly going on their social media and even more importantly, constantly bringing their name up to constantly just keep talking about them and working through can sometimes be a way to keep them connected and to keep yourself sad and, 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 and anchored in that grief and that loss, right? So sometimes the best thing we can do is say, we're not gonna talk about this anymore. We've processed it, right? There's nothing more to do. And, and I need to actually work on pulling myself out of that and connecting to the other parts of myself or the other things that are going on in my day or in the world, right? It can be a little self-obsessive. So limiting exposure to the news and conversations around these topics are far, far more productive than compulsively checking it over and over, keeping yourself really tense or wound up, especially depending on what time of the day it is. Before bed, you absolutely should not be doing any of those things, right? Before bed, you should be watching sitcoms or listening to music or reading transitioning into sleep, right? Same thing with waking up. Please don't make the first thing you do when you wake up is check the news. Start your day slower, be more sensitive. That goes back to the first point. That's called being kind with yourself, right? All right, we gotta take a little break. We're gonna glide into those DMs, so stick around for that, courtesy of Astroglide. And then uh, after that, we'll keep hitting down these tips. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back, and now it's time to glide into those DMs, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm looking into something cool to do with my partner, but we're having a hard time coming up with something. Yeah, we get into patterns, we get into habits. I get it, y'all. We need, uh, sometimes we need reminders of things to do, so we'll talk about it. There's couples yoga, workouts, all of that. But I was wondering if you had any ideas of activities that could bring us closer together or spark deep conversation. I love that. Love that question because it shows that you care, you know? Uh, there's a lot you can do. I'm going to rattle off a few, but just remember it's really about having access to each other and a shared experience. Shared experience means that you're both uh, experiencing the same thing at the same time and you can access each other. If you're both separately on your phones, that's not a shared experience. You're looking and thinking and feeling different things. You have to actually get the other person's attention. Um, that's why if we're watching a movie, we can turn to them, they're there, we can talk about it afterwards. But sometimes it's better to do things that allow the interruption of talk and engagement. First dates, well, dates in general are better that way as well, so we can actually communicate and connect. Um, so anything that allows you to just be with each other, you can talk about what you're feeling, you're experiencing and seeing and hearing the same thing is really going to be great. Uh, a few things you can think of. Um, number one, just going for walks, just holding hands and going for a walk is a beautiful thing. You see things, you hear things, you get in a conversation, you stumble upon things. Maybe you find something as you're walking that you want to stop and engage. So walks are great. Um, hiking is also like that. We're out, we're moving. Conversation arises, silence is allowed. I think going and getting coffee and sitting outside of a coffee shop is great, listening to the music, uh, watching people, right? Camping, you can camp in your own backyard, you can even camp in your own living room, where you're just laying there looking at each other, setting up a tent or going camping in nature or in your own yard. It's just about being together. 
Picnics are another great thing. We're eating, we're talking about the food, we're looking around, we're outdoors, we're together, we can see each other, we're connecting. Going for a run is another great idea. Wandering around your town. When's the last time you went downtown, you went shopping together, even if it's just a window shop. Maybe take a little short road trip, talking in the car, talking the way back, but then you end up in another little area of your town or a place in your you know local state that you haven't really checked out. Sometimes if we just drive 30 minutes or an hour, we can stumble upon some really great things. Um, going out, taking some photos. I like cooking together, find some recipes, go get the ingredients together, come home and prepare together, sit down and eat it. It can be very bonding. Again, it's a shared experience. Um, any kind of play, there's board games. There's also some really great card games for couples that have really profound questions. You can purchase the cards or you can also go online and Google you know, conversation starters for couples or relationships. That is really, really beautiful stuff. So as you're noticing, it's all very cheap. It's all very free. It's all very accessible. It's all very local. It doesn't take a lot of planning, a lot of money, a lot of effort. The simple things tend to be the better things. Because again, it's not about where you are. It's just being there together. And where you are, a local museum or an art gallery is just the best backdrop. It's the starting point. But you want to do things that, again, allow you to touch each other, see each other, hear each other. You're seeing the same things, talking about the same things. So it allows you to have an experience to think back on and to take further. And it might become like a pattern or habit where you start to do that more every Sunday morning, every Friday night. But again, hikes, walks, picnics, art galleries, museums, window shopping, small road trips, camping, even at home, preparing dinner, all those things are probably what's gonna be best. Maybe even finding some new romantic erotic experiences. I tell some couples to go to an erotic shop together and see if something grabs your attention, something that seems new or interesting. Bring that home and try that out together. That can be fun. Um, there you go. Also do a little Googling, especially in your local town, date nights and in your local town or your state. And a lot of interesting things will come up that I can't really consider because I don't know where you live. Um, going out for a cocktail together, making cocktails at home, trying out new restaurants where every Friday night you check out a new restaurant or you at home cook a different cuisine based on uh, recipes you collect during the week. It shows thought, it shows effort. But again, it's just about the time together. Everything else is the backdrop. And these are things that also make great first dates, second dates, third dates, because even if we've been married for decades, we still need to be in that dating cycle, that courtship cycle. So these are all the things you could do. And like I said, they're pretty easy. They're pretty accessible. They're available to mostly everyone. Just got to get creative. Google, put a little legwork in, but you'll find some really, really great stuff. All right. Any questions you got, drop them in the DMs on our Love Line IG page, a topic you want covered, a question you got. And uh, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about stress because that is the uh, loud and the silent killer. So we'll be waiting on that, and then we'll be closing out with some more DMs. So uh, check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we're back. And uh, before the DMs, we were kind of just going through a few tips and things to think about to uh, help us really get through the uh, stress and uncertainty of all that's going on. But as always, this applies to a thousand things. I was applying these <laughs> to dating, to getting over breakups. These are, these are vast universalizable skills. I, I always try to give you those more expansive definitions or ways to utilize these things. So basically, we're talking about being kind to yourself. You'll have to go back and check that out. Um, go to wearechannelq.com and you can listen to the earlier segments. Talk about being kind to yourself, um, developing new skills, 
also limiting your exposure to topics and conversations that really bring that fear, anxiety, or stress back into your psyche and your body. Give yourselves a break, especially first thing when you wake up or right before bed. Those are really important times to really be softer. And as I said earlier, kind with yourself. Um, also reflecting on past successes when we're really trying to work on staying in reality or stepping into our power, it's really helpful to remind ourselves who we are. Remind yourself who the heck you are. Go back through your journey, your legacy, your past successes. Be like, oh yeah, I did that. Oh yeah, I, I got through that. Oh yeah, I managed that. You know what I mean? Look at all I've been through. Look at all that I can do. Look at all that's possible. I'm sure you've been through some stressful events. You survived. Get the credit for that. Reflect back on that. That's still with you, those skills. I think we, we, don't, we don't remember that we're multiple selves. There, as there's some authentic, core, consistent parts of ourselves, sure. But we're also always changing. Um, the, the postmoderns call it relational, protean, multiphrenic. We're always changing, open-ended, impacted by everything around us, changing moment by moment, day by day, you know? if we're doing the work. Um, what else do we need to do as ways to help us deal with the stress and the uncertainty of what's going on or what's to come? Again, this is coming up a lot. Um, dwell, not dwelling on things you can't control. How about that one? Not sitting in all that you don't have power around. When, when uncertainty and unpredictability strikes as it is, some people go to worst case scenarios. Get out of the habit of ruminating on that. That's not helpful. If that, if and when that is what happens, we'll deal with it when we get there, but let's not experience it twice. Now, right now in fantasy, and then when, if and when it actually happens. Because just the fantasy of something happening really does run your body through the process of that happening. You will start to feel some of the stress responses, even though it isn't happening. That's how powerful our mind is, top-down functioning. Where you run yourself through that thought process, your body will respond as though it's happening. You know what I mean? So really sit with that. We don't want to constantly be doing that. that. That's hard on our body. And during the break, I was using that breakup example. You, if you're getting out of a relationship with someone and you're going through the breakup and you've already done all the processing you need to do, dwelling on and ruminating on is not only bringing it back and keeping yourself attached, you know, uh, relationally or, you know, emotionally or whatnot. It's constantly running your body through that stress cycle. You're not going to, you're not going to feel better when you're constantly bringing yourself back into that grief and loss. Um, Engage in self-care. I think people are tired of hearing that, but that's really true that's in there. Don't, don't, you know, we need to figure out, we talked about this a long time ago, but you need to figure out what your daily or weekly or monthly or whatever it is, what your self-care practices need to be. And then you don't let go of those routines. Whether it's exercise and movement, more sleep or a different kind of sleep, eating differently, hydration, uh, reading, boundaries, music. Like, I don't know where it's gonna go, but whatever these practices are, meditation, yoga, running, I don't care. You got to keep those routines. And when you see yourself letting them slip, you got to ask yourself, what's going on? Why am I not prioritizing that? Right? Because I need this now and I'm going to need it when these events occur. Stick with it. Sometimes that's all we have control over. And that predictability and that structure is what gets us through the day. That's the one thing we can count on. So definitely keep those going. And also the relationality. Reach out to people that you feel safe with. We talked about that. It's really important. Isolation, isolation tends to make you feel worse. And it also allows for you to do the other things we literally just itemized. It allows you to ruminate. It allows you to think worst case scenarios. You know what I mean? It allows you to feel disempowered and alone. So it's like that's when we really, really, really need to bolster up our socialization. Often at the times when we most don't want to, right? Sometimes we need, it's kind of like the, the rules of homeopathy uh, where that which is harming you is also the solution. It's like you most want to withdraw during times of mental distress, which is actually, in fact, when we most need to like lean in and reach out. 
and we most want to be on our own or alone, usually that's often when we actually need to be in the presence of others. You know, and like I, my favorite example, that movie Lars, Lars and the Real Girl with uh, Gosling, this powerful movement during, the, during a death. And someone says, what are we supposed to do? And the older, wise, brilliant women say, nothing, we just sit. We all just sit. And there they all are sitting with the person who lost someone. Just being present, not saying anything. They don't need solutions or fixes. They're just there. We're with you. We're here. We just sit. And sometimes that's what you need to do. Go sit. Call your best friend. Ask them if they'll just come over and sit with you. You know, And know that for others. They don't need to hear what's going to happen or it's all going to be well or fixes. They just need someone with them. Ask them if you can come. I, I heard you lost someone. I'd love to come and just sit. Or they might say, let's go distract ourselves. Take me for a walk. Take me out dancing. You know, that's cool too. But anywho, those are some tips. You got to take a little break. But uh, if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page or a topic you want covered or you want me to drop deeper into. We're here. Whatever you got, give us a follow back. And then uh, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. Lots of good stuff. You can binge, post, share, re-listen, uh, take some notes, really internalize those gems. Um, yeah. So stick around. We'll be back. Lady Gaga's jazz and piano Las Vegas residency returns to Park MGM October 14th through the 31st. Go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets, a hotel stay at Park MGM, round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending money. Tickets are on sale now at ticketmaster.com. Don't miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows Las Vegas. We'll be right back with more Loveline. All right, y'all, we are back and we're in the second hour. So we're going to talk a little bit about sex. Let's talk about sex. So doing some research, doing some writing. And uh, I stumbled upon this interesting concept of all the different kinds of sex we can have. There's a, there's a lot of different kinds, right? There's sex where we're more tuned into ourselves. And it's really not about the partner choice. It might be with someone we're familiar with, maybe our husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend of a zillion years. And it's more about closing our eyes and receiving pleasure. Sometimes it's more about a lot of intimacy and there's a lot of touch and eye contact and um, we can see see each other clearly and, and it's a lot more slow. There's something about the speed that can really increase intimacy. Not that fast, harder sex can't be intimate. It absolutely can. But there's something about when we slow things down, we are a little bit more present. We don't lose ourselves as much. Um, but looking at some of the work I'm doing around intimacy issues and attachment injuries and just what really is required to, to build a uh, long-term safe connected relationship, one of the things that was coming up is this idea of really looking at the kind of sex we have as a way to to better understand what kind of work we might have to do, but also to better understand where your partner's at. Now, it's kind of common. We live in a culture where we have a lot of sex shame, a lot of body shame, and so a lot of people are very familiar with having sex in ways or in scenarios where there's not the, uh, the ability to really have a lot of intimacy. And so I always say to clients, talk about that, at least with yourself or your partner. Do we have sex consistently in a way that's kind of sealed off or distanced because of that anxiety? Um, do we have sex with the lights off? Are the lights always off? Or are the lights on enough we can see each other? Do we have sex in positions where we can make eye contact and really access and see each other? Because again, one of the things that really makes us feel most close and connected to a partner, if that is what we are seeking through sex, because we're not, we, not, we are not always in, in some forms of sex or hookups, we're not looking for a lot of intimacy. But if you are, it's always gonna be about touch and eye contact. So make sure that that's available. Also, what can help enhance intimacy is a lot more time or complete time spent with what we would traditionally call, for, call foreplay. Foreplay is sex. All sexuality and eroticism is sex, but let's use these standard terms for a minute. Things that are non-penetrative can often 
be a lot more intimate or a way to practice more intimacy, taking penetration off the table and saying, let's just go have fun, let's play. And let's not do penetration or maybe let's not even orgasm. Let's use our total bodies. Let's be slower. Let's be able to see each other. Let's in fact work on making eye contact. Let's have the lights on. And if not, let's talk about why or what that is, right? That's a beautiful way to use sex therapeutically. Sex can be a therapeutic intervention. Um, it's also a, a, a gateway, a way, to, a lens to learn more about who we are. And so really check in on that. What kind of sex are you having? Can you, like I said, can you see them? Can they see you? Is there, are there parts of your bodies that we allow or that we won't allow to be touched? And what would it mean to allow that and to stay in that, to slow down, bring in that foreplay, right? Another kind of sex we'll have sometimes is um, relationally anxious sex. Got to come up with a really good word for this one, but it's basically sex that is used to feel safe and secure because otherwise you don't. And I work with some relationships that have that. Their, their marriage isn't close, doesn't feel close. Their relationship has a lot of arguing. And the only time we really feel good or we really feel close is sex. And that's fine sometimes, but that's not really the goal of sex always. And that's not always what sex can provide. And it's never a good sign when you're dependent upon one thing and one thing only to, to, to get a need met. Because I want you to go get that outside of sex too, in the relationship. Because more time is spent in the relationship than is spent in sex. And so I want the relationship to have and be able to provide all the things that sex can. So if you're using sex to feel secure and close and to seek reassurance and validation, desirability, because otherwise you don't have it, then you got a problem in your relationship. Because that can only meet that need so far. You want that security and that safety in the experiences you have of your time with this other person, right? And so really let the kind of sex you have or don't have, the kind of conversations around sex you're comfortable having or not having. Some people are saying, I could never even begin to have this kind of conversation. Well, we know from studies that the more, the more someone is able to talk about sex, the better the sex they have is, which makes sense. And that women that are able to confidently and openly talk about sex have way more orgasms. Because again, bad sex is when we assume and mind read. Good sex is when we can say, I want this, or someone can say, do you like this? And we can weigh in, and we can check in, we can discuss, we can process, we can share, we can reflect back. Sex is great, sex can provide many things, but it shouldn't be the only time you actually feel close, or the only time you get along, right? Or the only time you feel desirable. If that is, then either realize is the work on me or is the work on my partner? Is the work on me to say I need this otherwise? Is the work for me to start to provide this, to ask for this, right? Because sex can only do so much. But again, it's interesting we look at why do we have sex? Just because you're in a committed relationship of some kind doesn't mean the sex is always healthy or being used for the right thing. Ask yourself, why? What does sex mean for us, right? What does it provide? What do we seek in it? Do we have access to that otherwise? Because sex can be a way to hide out. Why do we have the kind of sex we have? Why do we avoid what we avoid? Why do we only use certain parts of our bodies? Is it because of gender trauma? And I think all gender is trauma. It's the idea that you can only operate and live and present in a certain way, right? Is it because of body shame, right? Is it because we naively think that certain kinds of sexuality are gay sex and we're not gay or whatever it is? I mean, there's so much tied into these things. All these things are actually neutral, but we infuse all of our stuff and cultural stuff in all of it. So really ask yourself, what do we have without it? And what would it mean if we took a break from sex or if we took a break from penetration and sex? Can we tolerate? What would it mean to do whatever's left? It's really fascinating stuff. What if we challenged ourselves? What if we share with each other all the things we want but don't have, all the things we want to do but haven't done? 
What if he wrote down a sexual bucket list and said, hey, how do you feel about these things? Especially if you're in a monogamous relationship, your partner's limits become your limits. Can we push on them? Can we challenge them? Can we find a gray area? Put a lot of beautiful work in that. But again, just your uncertainty or anxiety around the thought of this topic or conversation is diagnostic and meaningful, right? All of it is. So really sit with that. Like, what does that mean? What is that telling us? It's powerful stuff. Um, Gotta take a little break. We'll be back though. And uh, we'll close out the show later with uh, DMs. We'll be gliding into them. So as always, if you got a DM for us, a question, a topic you want covered, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Give us a follow back. Always good stuff over there. And past episodes are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and the show name and click on it. There they all are. You can binge, post, share. Sometimes you heard an episode that someone else needs to hear. And God bless that that's the way you can send it off to them and uh, drop some gems on them. But we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, we're back and uh, wow, I found something I wanted to talk about quickly. It's something that warms my mental health and social justice heart. It's do's and don'ts when looking at dress codes and this is really born out of just trying to create more equity and equality and be more trauma-informed and mental health-centered, which means not everyone's a boy, not everyone's a girl. People are gender fluid, non-binary, and rules need to meet the needs of the people. We shouldn't be squeezing people in all the ever-expanding ways that we live in the world and express ourselves. That shouldn't have to be squeezed into a bunch of outdated rules. Rules should be updated based on what's going on in the world and what people's needs are, right? Like people need to come first. It's odd to say, sorry, we're going to, you know, illegitimize, not acknowledge what's going on in the world to fit these rules, which a bunch of people just threw together and can be changed at any point, right? Like it's dehumanizing. So being mental health center is really looking at what's going on in the world and how do we catch up and meet the needs of people. And this came out of, um, I mean, you see all the studies, I'm sorry, not the studies, but the research and, and, and the stats, but also the, the, the stories about, people getting sent home for what they're wearing and like a boy was sent home for wearing nail polish, which who cares? That has nothing to do with anything. Like schools where people are supposed to be educated, not, not be, um, you know, oppressed or shamed and someone wearing nail polish or not has no bearing on how they show up academically. Like we got to get our priorities straight. Right. And, uh, so basically long story short, here's some of the things that experts have put together saying would be more equity based and more mental health centered so that, we're not such a mess. One of them, listen to students. I love that. Actually check out the students. What, what are your needs? How do the current dress codes not really meet you where you're at? Like it's okay to learn. It's called nothing about us without us. And that came out of the disability rights movement, which is, Hey, hi, right here. You can ask me what my needs are, but for non-disabled people to determine the needs for disabled people, it's really patronizing and oppressive. Disabled people can advocate for themselves, give them an opportunity to speak for themselves, ask them what what laws and accommodations they need. You can do that with students. That's not chaos or anarchy. Like we have to get off our power trips and say, hey, it's a new year. What's going on? How can we update this? How can we make you all feel more comfortable and safe at school? That should be the goal. We're not training people to be in the army. This isn't prison, right? We don't need these regulations. And even prisons in the army are being updated. So ask the students, y'all, what's going on? What are your needs? Here's the big one. Don't have separate rules based on gender. What does someone who's non-binary do? Whether you agree with it or not, binary people exist. People identify that way. People live that way. People are that way. Where do they fall in this? And as they noted in some of the studies, and this came out of work from the UCLA Women's Rights Project and the UCLA of Florida, actually, that 
guys have a very short and simple uh, dress code list traditionally, and it's girls that have an endless ongoing one. It's very shaming. It makes it very difficult. And they're pointing out some of the flaws based on girls' heights and weights and how they can't always meet the exact criteria. Some people, no matter what they wear, they're going to be very busty, right? They are fuller figured, and it's going to come off as problematic or revealing, but they're wearing the same thing someone who's maybe more straight-sized or smaller-sized is wearing, right? Um, but we, we should really be moving away from that. Guys this, girls that, right? Uh, also be more practical, right? Um, and again, that kind of falls under different body shapes and sizes, so you have to be more practical. Um, don't let gender stereotypes get in the way. Don't assume that girls' bodies are always going to present a problem for boys. Teach boys to learn how to have boundaries. But um, Evanston, Illinois, really took this uh, to heart, and they strive to really create a better more accommodating and inclusive dress code. And uh, they got rid of gendered and racial stereotypes. And they just talk about students. Here's what's expected of students. And you get to choose how you participate in that, right? They don't use references to boys or girls. And I love that. What, 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 what is the need for that? If, if, people, if someone can wear nail polish, we all should be able to wear nail polish. What, what's the issue with that, right? Um, so they're working on the equity piece. And I think that that's more welcoming. And that lets people focus on what they're there for, education, because they're comfortable. They feel validated. We've gotten out of the way of these more basic mental health-centered things, right? And we're focused on what we're there for. I keep seeing these things, even for teachers. Um, and it's really interesting. I think sometimes schools just are, are, are working on regulation. I get that. Other times, it's an odd attempt to control. And other times, it's just being a little out of touch. And that's why I think talking to the students and the teachers and saying, what are you seeing? What are we needing? Um, how can we meet your needs? How can we make you feel safer here, more comfortable? Because for a lot of people, school is very traumatic. Um, and it would, be, it would be nicer if we could be a little more inclusive. And the dress codes is one of the ways to start to do that because yes, men are starting to wear nail polish, men are starting to wear makeup, men are starting to wear dresses and, and non-binary people and people that are trans and some people are more fluid and they're exploring. For many, adolescents and, and teenage years are a time of exploration and fashion is how many of us present gender and, and play with gender is in that performance in our presentation and we have to be able to accommodate that. Um, far too many stories, like I said, of things like guys being sent home for nail polish. It's like, oh my God, that's what y'all are worried about all day long at school's nail polish? Like, that makes me worry that our, our priorities are kind of backwards. So let's do a little bit better with that. You know what I mean? But uh, some schools are definitely doing that. So props to y'all. Let's all be influenced by that, inspired even. All right, coming up next, we're going to be uh, gliding into those DMs. Thanks to Astroglide. Lotions and lube for everybody. Um, so if you got a question for us, drop it in the uh, Loveline IG page, follow us back, any topics you want covered, any questions you got. And as always, over at wearechannelq.com is where you go to check out past episodes of the show. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. 
You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we're back, and now it's time to glide into those DMs. Brought to you by Astro Glide. Gliding into the DMs. Bum, bum, bum. All right, this one says, what happens, Dr. Chris, if your partner doesn't want to explore things sexually? What's the compromise? For example, I'm a lesbian. I've always had my partners wear strap-ons. However, this new person I'm talking to doesn't wear them because they don't feel comfortable. I'm not upset about it, but they won't even consider it with me. Everything we do is a message to our partner about how much we care, but there's also got to be some understanding. So the first point is you need to get some deeper understanding as to what these things mean, and you need to share with your partner openly and vulnerably what it means for you. Hey, sex for me is closeness, you might say, and engaging and involving all of my sexuality. If you're in a you know monogamous relationship, then my limits are your limits. And I would love for you to be able to step into that, but help me better understand why you will or won't do that. Um, there really shouldn't be a reason why someone isn't interested in doing something that really doesn't have a physical or psychological negative impact on them. And if so, find out more about that. But the compromise is, again, if you're in a monogamous relationship, really getting honest with what you need and what it means to you and finding out from them what that means to them as to why they're not interested. But you do the yes, no, maybe list. Here's all the things I'm interested in. Let me know what you're down for, what you're not down for, or what maybe you'd be open to if we made some changes or tweaks on it. And then you look at that and you say, is this something I'm willing to sign up for? Not couples sexually, not every couple is sexually compatible enough for monogamy. And so your question to yourself is, am I willing to be with this person and the limits that come with that or not? So it's kind of an individual struggle, but the compromise is it's about intimacy and closeness and care. And if our partner requests something and it doesn't harm us, then there shouldn't be a reason to not be willing to do that for them. Because sometimes that then tells us we have a bigger problem, that there's not a lot of care, compassion, or consideration. But to get there, we have to let them know the meaning in it how it feels to have them be willing to do that or to not have them willing to do that. And when I say how it feels, I don't mean sexually or sensation. I also mean psychologically and emotionally. I feel like you're rejecting me or I feel like you're not taking my pleasure seriously, right? You have to share where you're at so they can really understand the meaning and vice versa. You want to ask them, what does it mean for you to, to do that? Why, what, what does it bring up that you don't want to encounter? But that's just relational work. But the compromise is up to you. There's other things you can do. So maybe you have to lean into the other parts of your sexuality. There's so much that is under that umbrella and you really want to sit down and explore that um that's part of a healthy relationship is really being vulnerable and saying here's who i am here's who you are what can we do with that are we willing and able to push on our edges and grow a little bit because sex and relationships are a great place for us to grow up and to heal our wounds and to find out and challenge and learn about new parts of ourselves so it's not just about getting that sex act it's also about the meaning embedded in it so you have to find out what that meaning is and you have to let them know what that meaning is and you have to find out what the meaning is and for them and then you kind to take it from there. But at the end of the day, our partner, after doing all that work, might say, I'm still not down for that. So let them know what else would be important to you. But if they're saying no to everything, they have to say, well, listen, I can't be in a relationship maybe with all those limits or I'm not considered. And then it becomes a different struggle that you have. And then you maybe realize we should open up or we have to kind of push on our boundaries. So the compromise lands with you, but do that more important relational work of finding out the meaning and the value in all this. Sex is never just sex. And it's not good enough to just say, I don't want to do that because I don't like it. No, in relationships, we want more intimacy, more transparency. We want to learn more about them. So it shouldn't be a fight. It shouldn't be a conflict. It should be a moment to grow and to learn about ourselves and each other. So step into it as such. Some, some beautiful things can come out of that. Or 
some very disappointing things, but do the yes, no, maybe list. Here's what I like. Here's what you like. Let's trade them. Here's the things I would do. You won't do the things we're open to doing. If we make some changes, it's very vulnerable. So make sure you're in a very healthy sex positive relationship to be able to do that. And if not work on getting there, but um, that's a very important exercise that I have a lot of couples do, but we don't always get what we want. That's the inherent limits in a monogamous relationship. We're up against their sexuality and they're up against ours. Um, but we don't want to tyrannize ourselves with that, right? It shouldn't be oppressive. It should be a starting point. We co-create. We, we push on those boundaries if it's a safe relationship. So be willing to do that. Have that difficult talk. I think it's going to be worth it for the two of you. But the compromise, and if you're okay with the answers that come out of this, that falls on you and what you're willing to allow and how important this person in this relationship is to you, you know? So good luck with that. I like that question. I think there's a lot of growth in there. So... Good luck, y'all. That's uh, that's our show. If you've got a DM for us or a topic you want covered, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back tomorrow night. But in the meantime, you can go to We Are Channel Q, check out past episodes, click on Loveline. There they all are. You can binge, post, share. But uh, spend the rest of the night focusing on self-care. Maybe push on your edges sexually. Step into some new things. Be kind with yourself. Be kind with your partners. Because right now, for some of us, it's all we got, y'all. But as always, thanks for hanging out. And you all enjoy the rest of your night. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app.